0: Books and movies and whatever other media there are, that phrase comes up a lot. It's almost never sincere. When someone says, you clever girl, what they're often actually saying is, you should not be here, or it's cute that you finally figured out my evil plot and I'm a little excited you did because now I get to kill you for it. Mabel's rendition was unmistakably the latter. There was murder in her eyes that made them look like they were glowing in the darkness. The golden light that had once softened the edges of your face seemed somehow dingy now. Or maybe it seemed harsher and blinding. Or maybe I'm making these things up in hindsight because it's easier to talk about what the lights were doing than it is to talk about Mabel. My aunt. The malicious Mabel stalked forward toward us. We both stepped back. You slipped your hand into mine, and it was the only thing that felt right about the moment. As an afterthought, you started to reach back for the book that was still open on the desk. But Mabel got there first. Great job, Vera. I'm surprised at your resourcefulness, she said. That phrase was said in a genuine way, but I did not at all appreciate the sentiment. Mabel, I said. That's the vial. I am not known for my collectedness in stressful situations. We were all quite aware of the vial, but I had nothing else ready to remark upon. She blinked at me. A blink that conveyed disappointment and delight in my blindsided stupor. She wasn't going to respond to explain anything until you spoke up from my side with a demanding, that's not bound to you, you're not the keeper of the blood, why do you have that? She blinked again, and there was a clear fight behind her eyes between answering and disappearing. Like a classic villain, she ultimately opted to explain her nefarious plot. no it's not bound to me not officially not yet she said as she talked she played with the vial between her fingers the light from the lamp bounced off the chain as she twisted it dancing haphazardly around the room but i am the keeper my good for nothing sister didn't know the power she had around her neck every day she kept talking about giving it up to nolan Leaving it, just sitting on her nightstand because she couldn't bear the burden. It's only a heavy burden to bear if you're weak. She looked directly at me while saying that. I probably would have hated hearing those things about my mother if she and I had been able to bond at all. Instead, the emotion I felt was pride. I was proud that my mother wanted as little to do with the vile and the damnation of Nolan's soul as I did. She kept going. She was careless and stupid and I was strong and understood this for the blessing that it is. She placed the chain between her teeth to taste the rusting metal. Last ink moon, 20 years ago, I took the vial from her nightstand and I took all the spells I'd so carefully researched and I cursed her. I cursed her to never speak, to never look about herself, to never truly listen to anything other than her own meek thoughts for the rest of her life. I cast every protective ward I could find and sealed this vial to myself as much as I could. The sun rose to find your mother, the useless husk she is today. The sun rose, and it couldn't find me no matter how hard it looked. I couldn't bind it to me, not completely. No spell I could find would help me do that, but now... She touched the book and shivered like a jolt of something powerful had pushed back on her hand from the pages. Now you've helped me find old Batty Butterfly's book. Ink Moon has come again, and I can finally have it all to myself. Can hide again from the sun and from Nolan and his ancestors and their incessant whining. I still didn't know what Ink Moon meant but I didn't feel like it would be polite to interrupt the origin story to ask. All I need, she said, stepping closer to me. I tightened my grip on your hand, but I didn't step away again. All I need is bait. She grabbed my shoulder with blood-red talons, manicured fingernails, and we were gone. Teleporting, represented in sci-fi everywhere sci-fi is represented, is supposed to be a fun and efficient way to travel. Teleporting in real life is extremely painful. Your every atom separates in splitting, searing waves. Upon impact at your destination, they still feel disgruntled and confused as to where they're supposed to be. It feels like bullet ants biting you from the inside, but you can't blame them for the pain because they're just reacting rationally to the presented stimulus. Mabel had somehow managed to get me to the middle of a room, holding a spellbook open to the page we'd it on at the rooster. I looked around me. I wasn't in just any old room. I recognized the overly sanitized polished metal surfaces of the hospital morgue from my time with the pearly white teeth of the zombie caveman. He didn't appear to be anywhere around. Nobody else was around, actually. It felt like the eerie static moment before a hurricane. Not the eye, and not the aftermath of the hurricane, just before. Where it's sprinkling, but you look at each drop carefully, knowing it's about to get a lot rougher. I looked back down at the book. The symbols there still baffled me, but I didn't have time to be both frustrated and scared, so I just clung to scared. I wondered where Mabel was. I wondered where you were. I wondered why my neck felt so heavy. I felt something scratching my throat and I looked as well as I could manage to see why that was. The bile. The bile hung around my neck, like a guillotine blade to an aristocrat in the reign of terror. I looked at the rusted chain and I felt the full weight of it, heavy and powerful and biting into my skin with no chance of letting go. I, I don't even think I considered taking it off. It felt glorious. Like I was invincible. Mabel had said it protected the keeper from harm. Would it recognize me as the keeper? Would it protect me? I remembered the knives I'd taken from the chest in the attic. I kept one in my back pocket. I took it out from its denim sheath and stood there in the middle of the morgue with a book in my left hand and a knife in my right. Nobody came. I stood there for a little while, too afraid to move from the spot Mabel had dropped me. I resisted the urge to stab the book and its infuriating symbols. I stood some more. I didn't shift my weight or anything. I just stood. I did not fight the urge to cut the vial off my neck. I could have just lifted it, sure, but slicing through the chain with my mother's knife was fulfilling in a way I couldn't describe. Plus, I had a knife and nothing to use it on. I caught the broken necklace in the open spine of the book. With the thump of the vial onto the waiting pages came the heavy shock of my heartbeat in my now bare throat as someone spoke into my ear. Nolan. Back beside me, haggard, more than scary-looking, but an undeniable threat. I didn't think to raise the knife to him. I didn't think to do anything other than what I had gotten so used to doing in that morgue. I stood. I just stood. Vera, Nolan said, Vera. My name sounded like it was dripping from his lips into a pool of bile at his feet. He stepped neatly over that imaginary pool, and he reached out toward me. Vera, he said, Vera, he dribbled. I felt sorry for him, doomed along with his succeeding generations. I felt afraid of him more. There was no mercy in his yellowed eyes. There was want. There was hunger, satiated only by blood. There was murder, if it came to that, to get what he needed. He was still reaching out, and suddenly I was too. The book, the vial, the knife, they were all offering themselves through me. Vera, he spat. Vera, he dripped. Vera, he bubbled over with foam at the mouth, and as each bubble popped it hissed my name. Mabel appeared beside us. She reached out as we had already been doing. I don't know which one did it. I didn't feel the knife plunge into my rib cage until it was pulled back out. As I bled, I wondered if the man with the white teeth would be performing the autopsy.